Welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you'll hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Jana Volmert of JM Couturier. So welcome to the show, Jana. Thank you, Allison. Thanks for having me. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. Um, Well, I am from a town called Jefferson City, which is the capital of Missouri, in case anyone didn't know. Um, (laughs) And I'm 35 now. I went to school at Stevens College in Columbia, Missouri, and I have a degree in fashion design and product development and a minor in marketing. Um, Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, just the best way to get started. Cool. So did you always kind of know that you wanted to work in fashion or kind of what brought you to the fashion industry? And I know Stevens is like a really good program too. So (laughs) yes. Um, Actually, when I was in high school, well, I guess uh, to back up a little bit, I've always been a very creative person. I also play two instruments and, um, and I've always, uh, I play violin and harp. Oh, nice. And yeah, and um, I have always just, I was always interested in coloring, drawing. Um, my grandma taught me how to cross stitch and needlepoint, but I actually didn't know how to sew until I went to college, like with the sewing machine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so in high school, I guess, was kind of when I really wanted to develop more of my creative side. And I actually thought I was going to go into interior design. Um, but as I was taking my art classes, I, in every semester, I would always take any art class that I could. And I started getting into more figure drawing and, um, you know, loved always looking at Vogue and, and all the fashion magazines. And I really started to love fashion. And um, I guess that's when I started looking into Stevens College. And uh, I also had looked into K-State because they had a design program. And so it was kind of between the two schools and I ended up picking Stevens and, and that's how I got into fashion. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And so you work primarily in like bridal and formal wear, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. uh, That is my primary focus. And that really only came about, I guess, um, did an internship with a bridal shop here in my hometown. It, It doesn't exist anymore. But that's where I guess I kind of got to learn a little bit about the bridal and formal wear industry in general. And so when I was working there, you know, I, I actually worked with brides, helped style them. I get, did get to know a little bit about, you know, how it works, ordering gowns and some of the logistics uh, with just, you know, owning a bridal shop. And, and so then for my senior collection, I actually really didn't have it at uh, sole interest in formal wear, except, you know, when I would look at Vogue and all the magazines, you know, I always was drawn to the the gorgeous gowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I guess right after I did my internship for my senior collection, I decided to do a collection of formal gowns. So it was uh, three gowns. And my inspiration was uh, Marie Antoinette, the movie. And so the color scheme was kind of, um, pulled colors out of that. And then just some of the, you know, ornate beading gold and the, you know, luxurious taffetas. That's what I, I based my collection on. And then after I graduated, I initially wanted to move to, to Dallas to work. And, um, there were a couple bridal and formal wear, uh, companies down there that I was eyeing, but it didn't, nothing really came of that. So I I came back, uh, this was just, you know, a few weeks I went to go visit Dallas and, and kind of scope, you know, what life would be like down there, came back and the bridal shop that I interned with, um, and was the owner's name. She was like, Jana, do you need a job? And I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) So, um, I ended up working there and I, I didn't think it would be a a long-term job, but, um, you know, I think I was there for maybe five years. And during that time I met my husband. So and he's from here. So we just kind of settled in Jeff city and that's where I've been ever since. Nice. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like that time, like right after college, I was like, I think I might want to do this, but I don't really know. And do I move away from home or do I stay yeah. here? And <laughs> like trying to figure out like where the jobs actually are and, and even like what job you want is, right. is always so tricky. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, so, you know, working at the bridal shop, I did not get that industry experience of actually, you know, designing and producing collections and stuff like that. Um, that's ultimately what I had wanted, but I learned so much, uh, just working at that shop, kind of the ins and outs and tips and tricks and, you know, just, uh, a little bit of the buying process, I guess, but I really didn't get to be a huge part of that, which I, I regret that I didn't get to be, that would have been, um, that would have helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, didn't expect that all to happen. And so then, um, after I guess it was five years, it was in 2013. Um, I, I had just gotten married in October of 2012 and winter of 2013, I just started to feel really burnt out just with fashion in general. I think I was going through a little bit of a life crisis, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, um, the bridal industry, you know, in a retail setting is really uh, intense, especially in the winter. That's when, um, that's like the huge buying season from clients. So it's just insane. You have bridal shows, you have long days of, you know, trying to squeeze all, all kinds of, um, you know, clients in looking for their dresses. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot. And I, I just, started to feel like this isn't even what I really wanted to do with my life. You know, what am I doing? And I, (laughs) I ended up just quitting. Um, I I gave plenty of notice because I didn't want to just, you know, leave and not have someone replace me. So I gave like a month's notice and, um, I just quit. I didn't have another job lined up. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I don't want to do this. And luckily my husband was really supportive and, you know, we had some, money saved. So that wasn't a problem. And so I quit and I, I was off for maybe I quit in March of 2013 and I didn't work for, I think it was until like the end of May was when I started a full-time job. So during those couple months of being off, I had this dream of starting, um, a little like not formal wear, but just casual dresses or maybe like cocktail dresses. And I had no plan. <laughs> I just knew that I wanted to design. I started sketching. I, I thought up names, you know, I really, I looked into inspiration. I even, I even went so far as to get like fabric samples and stuff. And it was just going to be something that I made myself. And, uh, anyway, I ended up getting just super, um, overwhelmed with all of that. And I was like, I don't even know what I want to do here. And I just sort of gave up because I honestly didn't think I could do it. And I didn't have a plan, which having a plan is helpful too. (laughs) So uh, it was just more involved than I, than I could even afford to. And I didn't want to take out loans. I didn't, I, I wasn't in a place where I was so um, committed to it that, you know, I would go that far to get loans and a business loan and try to start a company. But um, I ended up, not pursuing that. And finally I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to need to get a job. So I found this part-time job in an insurance company and it was just like, um, working the front desk, <laughs> doing mm-hmm. very mundane things. And, um, surprisingly it was so refreshing. My, my work day was just so predictable. And I was like, wow, this is so nice. You know, I don't have this crazy day like ahead of me or, you know, dealing with all these, um, uh, you know, retail clients and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is so nice. And so I actually kind of enjoyed the break from fashion altogether for a little while. And then slowly but surely, you know, I eventually had friends, you know, ask me to make their dresses or, you know, I knew they were getting married. I was like, well, would you, you know, want to have me make your gown or design your gown? And so I had a few clients here and there, mostly just friends, uh, asked me to help them with that. And then I guess kind of during that, so that was seven years, I guess. Um, and during the seven years I started JM Couturier and I was inspired to start JM Couturier because of my previous 
custom gowns that I had been making for people and my, my own bridal gown, I also made and designed. And Mm -hmm. I really have a love, I guess, of the custom aspect because, you know, the dress is so unique to the wearer. I mean, it's as unique as the wearer Mm -hmm. and there's just something so special about that. So, um, I wasn't quite sure how popular a custom gown would be in my area in Jefferson city. Uh, but I knew it was something I really loved and I could, you know, thankfully the internet, you can kind of offer services now to anyone just about anywhere in the world. So I thought, well, why not? And that's when I started Jane Couturier. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so much in your story there that's like interesting right. and like super relatable um, that I want to ask you more about. Sure, but let's ahead. kind of like dive into like talking about um, like what is your process for creating a custom gown? Like when a client comes to you, like when mm-hmm. they first reach out, kind of like what do you what do you take them through to yeah yeah um, well everyone is maybe slightly different. Um, I guess my general process is I do an initial consultation. I, and when I say consultation, I guess it's more like a get to know one another sort of thing. Um, They, you know, I ask them about their wedding, just their overall mood of their wedding, you know, get to all the details and then down to what they're looking for in a gown. And sometimes uh, clients have already shopped, you know, and they've tried stuff on, they didn't find it. So then they reach out to me. Sometimes um, they know exactly what they want. They don't want to bother with shopping. They just want to uh, design it. Um, And then, so we get together and it might be in person. It might just be a phone call. And some of my clients have also just given me ideas just through email and messaging. So it's not always as formal as I make it sound. Um, but generally there's that initial consultation, get to know one another, talk about what they want. Um, then I say, okay, well, after that, you know, if they're still interested in moving forward with a custom plan, then I, uh, they purchase a proposal and the proposal is me, you know, gathering, um, fabric samples, sketching some designs. Um, I guess, depending on what they told me they wanted or either what they know they want or what, know what they don't want. Um, you know, I might just sketch one design. I might sketch, you know, 10, I guess it just depends, you know, what, you know, how specific they are. So I gather all that. I kind of come up with a general pricing scheme, but until they make their final decisions, um, I can't really give them an exact price. So Mm -hmm. we have the next consultation, which is me presenting the sketches, we look at all the fabrics, we play around, you know, we make changes to the designs. I mean, I've, I've drawn on all my sketches before and if they are liking one direction they kind of decide, I'm like, okay, well I'll do the final sketch and uh, you know, and then I come up with the final pricing with their final chosen fabrics. And then they either say yes to the dress or they don't. And it doesn't (laughs) have to be a dress. It could be a jumpsuit or uh, it could be anything. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, so assuming they move forward with all that, then um, they do the deposit and then we start uh, the fitting process. So I start patterning and uh, making the initial muslin. And um, I guess my process for that, usually depending on the fabrics they chose, sometimes I'll use, you know, cotton muslin. Sometimes I will find just cheaper, um, similar fabrics to use Mm -hmm. for the fitting just kind of depends what they chose and how important it is to, to use the exact or close to fabric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that makes sense. So I think like what's interesting. So I, uh, I can like relate to all this too, because I, during college and high school worked in bridal retail as well and alterations. Okay. So, um, And I also made my own wedding dress. That's um, so cool. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. super fun. Um, yes. And to see, like, there's some things that I've noticed when people try on a gown or, you know, just clothing in general, but oftentimes if it's a custom piece they're having made, it's more often a formal gown, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> then uh, just 
how that makes them feel when it's like fit to their body and it's it's mm-hmm. what they feel confident in like is so powerful so I don't know like have you noticed like what is the significance of getting something custom made and um like how have you seen that experience um affect your customers like when they see the finished mm-hmm. thing and get to wear it for their special event mm-hmm. um the customers, clients that I've done the custom gowns for, custom um, garments for, and also I should say I haven't just done bridal. I've done a couple um, um, maternity dresses too, but I guess it's, I, I would say most of my clients have this scent. You know, you get some people that it's just addressed to them. I mean, they, they pick something they like, but at the end of the day, you know, they don't want it anymore. They might sell it or get rid of it. I myself am an extremely sentimental person. So just the simplest thing could mean so much to me. And I feel like a lot of my clients are very sentimental people. And knowing that that dress is essentially their design. I mean, I help them make it, but it's essentially their own creation. I just kind of make it come to life Mm -hmm. with my input. And I think that just it being their design, it's made totally for them. It's an extremely intimate process because, you know, I see them so many times. Um, we just get to know each other and it's a, it's a really fun process. So I feel like, I guess to answer your question, my clients tend to be very sentimental people in general, and Mm -hmm. they really must value, um, that one-on-one, uh, process that we go through for this. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, when they're coming up with their budgets, their dress is a really, is a top factor for their budget. So, mm-hmm. you know, they want it to be really extra special. And that's not like to say that, you know, buying your dress isn't special either, but, you know, there's thousands of that dress sold and, um, you know, there's just something really, really special about your dress being totally unique to anything else in the world. Like that is so cool when you think about it. Um, just like you as an individual are completely unique in this world. So I feel like that, I feel like a lot of my clients really value that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that like people who are drawn towards something custom um, mm-hmm. are more sentimental. Like it, it's, it's a meaningful process to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it's not just the gown itself, but even just, you know, working with you and being able to design it and pick out each of the elements and kind of see it take shape and fittings. Um, that even the process like has some, you know, like special significance to them too. Yes. Um, and you know what I should say one, uh, one client I had, she actually came to me because she had shopped for a dress like a, like a couple years before that she ended up getting pregnant. So she didn't, they didn't worry about the wedding and then they started to replan the wedding and then she couldn't find, she never bought that dress. She couldn't find it in the store anymore. It was discontinued. Mm -hmm. And that's why she ended up coming to me was because she just couldn't find that dress. And I will never copy another design, but she's like, Jana, can you help me make something similar? Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about it was, was that, um, you know, it was a strapless dress, but she ended up during our fitting process. So sorry, let me back up. We had finalized the design. It was a strapless dress. We had picked the fabrics and, you know, even though our inspiration was that dress she picked, it was absolutely nothing like it. Mm -hmm. And during our fitting process, she changed her mind to having it, um, have covered shoulders and have a keyhole back instead of strapless. So the final design, like you never would have guessed that she would have come to me for some other gown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that was, that's something fun that you can't always do, you know, with the dress that you purchase, you, the client really has complete control over every aspect of the gown, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to a degree, um, you know, of picking the fabrics and completely tailoring it to themselves. And you don't have to worry about alterations. It's made to them from the get-go. So Mm -hmm. it's, um, so even though a custom gown might have an initial 
uh, price point that's higher than what you would find in a bridal shop, you don't have the added expense of alterations, which, you know, as you would know, can get pretty pricey for mm-hmm. some. Yeah. Especially if you want to make any like significant changes. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So do you do like any alterations? I think, and, or I think I saw on your site, you also do some like refashions as well. Yeah. Um, haven't done well, I guess I should, uh, elaborate a little bit. So some of my redesign is, you know, I might add sleeves to a dress or, um, add an overskirt, but there are some more intense projects that I've done or, um, such as, uh, clients bringing me like their, their grandmother's dress or their mother's dress, and they want to redesign it to, to be something else. And that's a little more involved. So that to me is more redesigned than necessarily the redesign of, of a existing dress and I add something to it mm-hmm. or take away or what, what have you. But yes, I do pretty much anything alterations. Um, I, that's probably, that probably makes up the bread and butter of my business right now is the alterations and redesign. So alterations plus redesign. So right now I have a, a bridal gown I'm working on and we're adding some flutter sleeves to it. And, um, that, that makes up most of my business at the moment. The custom gown is, I don't think a lot of people consider it. And, you know, it is usually a higher price point. There is more involved. You know, I'm not a little factory overseas. It's just me doing it all. So um, I, it's harder to, you know, get people to do the custom design, I would say. Yeah. Do you think... Um... And, and I've maybe seen some of these barriers, but that don't have to be some, but um, what are maybe some assumptions that, or misconceptions that people have about getting a custom-made gown that really aren't true, that are maybe, you see, like, people are hesitant to get something custom-made or aren't sure mm-hmm. about it. Um, what are some of those things that you might have noticed? Well, I, in my area, at least, the typical way that everyone gets their gowns is you go to the bridal shop and you get your gown. Mm -hmm. And I think for some, it just doesn't even cross their mind that they could, you know, have a custom gown made. Um, well, I mean, the biggest, um, factor is, is pricing, you know, usually, I, most of my custom gowns start at 2000. So that's the starting point. And I, mm-hmm. I think the average price for a bridal gown right now is like 1800 or so, 17, 1800. So, so it is all much more. No, starting out. Yeah. No, of course, you know, the sky is the limit. <laughs> yeah. Know? If you want yeah, to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it can get pretty pricey, pretty quick, but, um, but I always work with my clients, you know, I do, we do talk about a budget and when I gather the options for them, you know, I do try to find, um, fabrication options that, you know, are kind of lower mid and high so that they can see the difference and choose for themselves what, what they think is best. And that fits in their budget. So Mm -hmm. probably the biggest thing is pricing. I think a lot of people think, you know, it's going to be a $10,000 gown and well, it could be a $10,000 gown. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Mm -hmm. And again, the savings, you know, when you think about your whole ensemble, you know, let's say you, you said your, your, bridal budget was 1500, but you didn't account for a veil. You didn't account for your uh, jewelry accessories. You didn't account for alterations. You Mm -hmm. didn't account for, um, you know, let's say you wanted to add a sleeve or, um, you know, an overskirt to your dress that wasn't already there. You're already getting up to, you know, 2000, $3,000. So Mm -hmm. I, I think a misconception is that it's just going to be too sky high of a price point, but that's not always true. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just don't think people it's on their minds to even consider. So I think me being here, um, people seeing my services, I, maybe it will be, um, re, you know, uh, an option that's already readily available to them that they can consider. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, like wedding dress or, you know, 
special occasion, it's something that like it's important and you're going to want to spend the money to like make it fit right and make it how mm-hmm. you want. So yeah, it's like in some ways it's, it's not that much more difficult to just start making it what you want from the beginning instead of kind of reverse engineering something into what you want. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Do you find that, um, like, cause so one thing that I think is unique about custom bridal and just custom clothing in general is that the, the, the wearer, the customer that's buying it is involved in the design process as well, mm-hmm. which you don't see yes. with just, you know, going to the store and buying it off the rack. And no, so, yeah. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that of like how the people that come to you are, how they kind of experience this design process of making a garment maybe for the first time and Mm -hmm. think through like what goes into this. And do you find even that it's a little bit overwhelming to have, you know, all kind of (laughs) endless possibilities? Yeah. (laughs) Um, For some, yes. Uh, I have a client right now. I'm, we're doing a jumpsuit for her and she knew pretty much, you know, the, the basics of what she wanted, but when it came down to picking kind of the final direction we were headed and even some of the fabrics, she really had a hard time choosing. And, um, you know, and some of the designs I had to explain, you know, why you could do this design in this fabrication, but not Mm -hmm. this fabrication. And there's, I think there's a lot of education um, in it when I'm having a consultation explaining, you know, cause you know, clients who aren't familiar with fashion design or the design process or how a garment is made, you know, they don't always know some of the technicalities behind why a garment works on the body. So they mm-hmm. might have this idea, but it won't necessarily work on them the way they're envisioning because, uh, you know, maybe it won't fit around their, their waist properly, or you'll, we'll run into a fit issue. And so I, one of the biggest hurdles I think isn't necessarily my client not having a good idea of what they want. I think it's trying to get our communication lined up so that I understand what they want Mm -hmm. and that I can understand what they're communicating to me because they might be communicating um, something that they want. And I also have to be able to interpret that. And I think the communication is actually the hardest part of the whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can definitely see that. It's like, that's so important to kind of be on the same page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, kind of like um, tips or advice or like, how, do, how do you accomplish that and like, make sure that you're understanding what they're trying to mm-hmm. tell you, even if, you know, they don't understand all the terminology that, you know, from, uh-huh. you know, having a fashion degree. Yeah. Um, well, most people are pretty visual. So seeing a sketch or showing them the fabric in person, or even showing them, you know, I have gowns in my house, uh, or garment, it doesn't even have to be a gown. It could be any garment so that I can explain to them what I'm talking about when I say, oh, it'll be finished this way, or um, it'll have this sort of bodice or this sort of fit. Um, The visuals definitely help a lot if I feel like I'm encountering a communication problem. And and I always tell my clients too, that if there's anything that I'm saying that doesn't make sense to you, or maybe you get the feeling that we're not jiving, you know, in our communication, or I'm not understanding something, then stop me and say. And Mm -hmm. so I, you know, the, we get to know each other really well. And I think an important part of the process is just being really comfortable with one another and saying, um, I'm not understanding this. Can you please re-explain or, you know, tell me a different way or, you know, if at any point they feel uncomfortable, they can always tell me and we'll, we'll back it up and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, go a different route or whatever we need to do. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Those those are great, great tips and ways to, yeah, communicate across very different understandings. I guess in a tip for like someone listening, who's considering a custom gown, you know, 
show it just like you would show your hairdresser, you know, what you're looking for, um, showing me examples, you know, and Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. giving me a, a general dress and saying, I like this being really specific. Like I really like this style sleeve. I like where it hits on her elbow. I love this type of lace. I like this color, you know, the client being as specific as possible really helps me zone in on what they're looking for. And it helps me with the final sketch and, and finding the fabrics that I think, you know, goes with what they're asking for and, and like that. Mm-hmm. So visuals, visuals and explaining why they like what's on that visual. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are so important, like skills to have and like ways to communicate. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk mm-hmm. more about kind of the business side of things. So you kind of started Jam Couturier as like a, a side project is, mm-hmm. um, is, are you still working full time? Um, at that insurance place or, um, has your business grown since then? So I am not working at the insurance place anymore. Um, I, so, and I started jam couturier on the side in 2018 and yeah, it kind of developed out of a conversation I had with a friend. She was reading this book and I don't remember what the book was. Um, but something about that conversation, I was like, why am I not doing what I want to do? And I just knew I wanted to design. I, at that point, uh, after that conversation, I didn't exactly know how to do it or what I was going to do. I just knew I needed to do it. Um, and jam couturier kind of came out of, again, that love for custom design. I was like, well, it's just me. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a, you know, a retail business or anything. Uh, it's like, I, I can do this myself. You know, I've done custom gowns for my friends. I could do it, you know, for anybody that wanted it. So that's mm-hmm. how I started that. And I offered the alterations too. Cause like I said, in my area, that's more of what I'm servicing right now is the alterations and redesign. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I, I could do that too. You know, I could supplement with the alterations. So anyway, started Jam Couturier. It was just kind of on the side. Um, it was hit and miss some months. I'd be really busy and some months I wouldn't really have anything to do, but I had my full-time job, so it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this past March or March, 2021, I should say, I decided to quit my insurance job and it wasn't really because GM Couturier was like just booming. It was honestly because, my regular job was just so stressful. I was dealing with some really tough personalities at work and it was just not enjoyable anymore. And I was like, you know, and I also had been kind of feeling this tornness between like, I knew I could grow Jim Couturier if I just devoted more time to it, but I always felt like I couldn't because I, you know, was at work all day. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty much an evening weekends thing. And I was like, but I also need like downtime. I need time with my family. I need, you know, to do other things too. So I was, I was sort of at odds with this time thing for Mm -hmm. years. And I had considered just doing JM Couturier for a long time, but I, I just held off for a long time. But anyway, March, 2021, I quit my regular job And this past year, I did experience a lot of growth in JM Couturier. Um, Oh my gosh, the, I, at several points, I had to cut off clients because I would just get so overwhelmed (laughs) with all the projects Mm -hmm. I had. And it was mostly um, uh, alterations work, but I did have a few sprinkles of, I had a maternity, actually I had a couple maternity dresses in there. Um, trying to, my mind's kind of all muddled now with everything, but, (laughs) um, it got pretty busy, especially, oh, and I made my sister's dress. So my sister got married in the fall in October. And, you know, of course I have to make her dress. So, (laughs) um, so that was a process and yeah, so I, it did grow so much that I would have to cut off clients and I hated doing that. I, I always hate saying no to people, but I'm, I can only do so much in a day. Mm-hmm. I'm only one person. So yeah. So it's been 2021 was a really crazy growth of a year, um, but also really scary because 
I did not leave, you know, I didn't go into JM Couturier with the income that I was leaving. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a huge, huge risk. And, um, monetarily not quite where I left, but it's getting pretty close. So I'm, I'm hoping that even this year, this 2022 year, uh, will be even bigger for me. Well, congrats on that. Like uh, we're, <laughs> you. we're recording this, the end dish of January in 2022. So it's coming up on a year. Yeah, it is. That. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know it's a big leap. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about that because I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of, I, th- I feel like there's a lot of brands that start out as the side project or the passion project mm-hmm. yeah, um, for, for people sure. and they have their full-time job, which I think is a smart way to go about it. It's like, you don't want to, you know, unless you have lots of money to gamble with, you know, yeah. <laughs> then it's, it's a, it's a way where you can still have the kind of security of an income, stable income. Mm-hmm. and, you know, start the initial business and, and see, is this going to something that could take off and be for sure, like sustain you full time. So, um, but it also is a really hard transition. I think when it gets to that point where you're like, I have no extra time left in my week. Like I'm literally at work all day and then working all evening and weekend. Uh-huh. Um, but then you know, taking the leap, then you go from like overwork to like, you don't really have enough for full time yet. And it's, it's a scary decision. I know. So um, what were some of the things that you kind of like thought through or um, like, how did you decide it was the right time to quit your full-time job? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a good question. Well, like I said, I had been toying with what do I want to do with my life for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't hate my insurance job. I actually, I was actually pretty good at it. And if I had really wanted to, I, I really could have made a really good career with it. Um, but I, deep down, I just knew that, that it wasn't what I loved to do and that doing what I love to do is really important to me, not just making a paycheck, but actually, enjoying, you know, every aspect Mm -hmm. of my job and feeling that sense of fulfillment. Um, well, like I said, I, what really pushed me to quit the full-time job was some personalities at work and, Mm. um, not, not everyone. I had, I had lots of coworkers that I got along with great and leaving them was actually, was really hard. Mm -hmm. I knew that I would miss them and miss working with them. Um, but, uh, I would just wake up with just, pits in my stomach every day, worrying about what, you know, what sort of things I was going to encounter with this person or persons. And I was like, I can't live this way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, I, I was getting, you know, inquiries pretty regularly with Jane Couturier and like, and I, there was like, I kept telling myself, okay, if one more thing or three more things happen with work, that is not aligning with what I want from work, then I'm going to quit. And Mm -hmm. I had talked to my husband because I know, you know, some people don't have the means to just quit a job and chase their dream. It's really complex. There's lots of things to consider. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like it should be black and white, you know, it's like, why not, why not chase your dream? But it is, it is more complex than that. And, um, and luckily for me, you know, my husband makes pretty good money. Um, we don't live extravagantly by any means. We very, we live very modestly, um, but we're, we're not hurting. So I had talked to him and I said, I really just don't want to do this job anymore. And he's like, well, okay. I mean, he was, he was pretty supportive. He was a little worried (laughs) that I would stay busy. And I will admit I was too, because like I said, I, I wasn't leaving the income and going back into it. I, it was a complete uh, (laughs) different, um, income. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was going to be a huge risk. And so I, I guess internally and what I verbalized to my husband was like, okay, um, you know, I was going to quit. I said, okay, I'll probably put in my resignation, you know, for March 1st. So March 1st was when I quit. I said, if I, you know, if I'm not seeing like a steady income in six months, 
So by September, then, um, then I will, you know, find another job. I'll get something part-time. Like I, you know, told myself if I need to do something else, I will do it. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the, the timeline I put in my head was the six month timeline. And so I quit. So Jordan was, Jordan's my husband, Jordan was supportive and, um, you know, and we have money saved up. So it wasn't like I was going to be spending all this money and working for myself. Uh, you know, I don't have employees. The only, um, you know, money that I spend is, you know, for my website. And, uh, you know, if Mm -hmm. I need to, you know, just things that kind of keep the business afloat, it's not like I have a ton of expenses. So, um, but I also know that if I wanted to grow the business, I would need to invest more money too, and, and kind of grow it in, in more ways. So, um, quit March 1st. And after, right after that, I honestly didn't have any clients lined up. I had a few, um, May brides I was working with for alterations, but it was, uh, pretty slow at first. And I didn't necessarily mind the break. Cause I was kind of just enjoying like not having to worry about asking off for work, uh, or, (laughs) you know, just having that boss that, you know, so many days, so many hours you can take sort of thing. Um, I was like, wow, I can just pick up and go wherever if I want to. And which was really nice. So, but, uh, I quit my job. I had also kind of started posting more on my social media And I really started getting more inquiries. And so my spring ended up being like super busy. And then, um, then I'd have a little downtime and then pretty soon the fall brides were contacting me. Mm -hmm. So I, I was geared, you know, starting the, the fitting processes for them. And then, you know, I had my sister that I was working with too, during that time. So it was, it got to be a lot. There were, there would be like a, maybe a couple of weeks where I really didn't have anything to do. Wasn't seeing anybody, uh, no fittings, but I, you know, was maybe working on my website or doing other things, uh, to fill that time and be productive. Mm-hmm. So I hope I didn't detract from your question. No, no. I, and I, and it is different for everybody. I'm just, I was curious to hear like, how, how do people decide? Yeah. And I kind of went through the same thing where I had a full-time job uh-huh. in, in fashion, like doing what I like doing. But when I, you know, got to the point where I was considering, like, do I look for a different yeah, job? Do I it's hard. start my own thing? You know, it, it was so hard and it took me yeah. like, eight or nine months to like decide what to do with a lot of like encouragement and like finally my husband was just like I need you to quit your job and I need you to like put in your notice on Friday and I was like okay fine I'll do it oh my gosh so that's the best green light ever yeah (laughs) yeah because I was like I think I would have been too scared to do it like if I didn't have people around me like just do it already Uh but oh I definitely yeah I definitely had people say, yeah, Jana, you should chase your dream. You, you know, this is what you love to do. You know, you love it. Um, um, but I don't know, even with some of that encouragement, I was still just super scared, mm-hmm. um, you know, just jumping into it like that. And I have my business, but I also have like other goals and, and long-term goals. And so I'm also the type of person where if I think too far into the future, I get super overwhelmed and I just don't do it it's too scary. And, you know, I can't, I have a hard time breaking down those, those steps, you know, to get to those goals and not be so scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing too, that I will say, cause yeah, I just like you, I stewed and stewed and stewed over whether to do design full time or not. And I also find a lot of meeting with like people I meet or things that they say. Mm. And so even at my other job in insurance, we had our customers and I had this random telephone call. It was for business, you know, for the job I was doing, but we ended up having this private conversation. It was actually a lady in St. Louis and she started talking about her love of fashion. And we just had this like 20 minute conversation. She was like, Jana, you just, you, if fashion is what you love, you just really need to do it. I can tell <laughs> that that is just what you need to do. And I'm like, you're so right. And <laughs> it was, um, 
and it wasn't that conversation, but I kept thinking back to that. And I'm like, if this lady who barely knows me tells me to just chase my dream and by golly, I just need to do it. And, um, then, you know, things just kept going wrong at work and I'm like, okay, I am done. I am done, done, done. Mm -hmm. And it was really, but once I put in my notice, like I was, I was just incredibly nervous to put in my notice, but once I did, I just felt this huge sense of relief. Mm -hmm. I didn't even feel scared. I felt relief. And that's kind of when I knew that I had made the right decision. Yeah. That's so cool. That like, even just like all the little things to like add up until you're like, okay, this has got to be the right decision. Like, right. It's like, and I kept asking and I I'm religious. So I kept asking God, like, God, I need some signs. You need some signs. Mm -hmm. I definitely kept getting signs. And (laughs) so I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to need to listen to the signs and finally I did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like asked for the sign of, um, like, you know, what, like what would make me quit? And I was like, if my husband like didn't want me to work there anymore and wanted me to like quit, then I would like, I feel like that, you know, his opinion is important to me. And then when he said that, I was like, okay, that like that, there was the sign I'm going (laughs) to, I have to quit now. And it was terrifying, but like then thing. And I also kind of quit with like I didn't have anything lined up after that so Um, you know terrifying but like things just started to fall into place like after I had made that decision so yeah yeah, there's a little bit of faith that you have to have and think that things will work out and so yeah deep down I knew it'll work out and like I said I had a little timeline in my head I was like and if they don't it's Mm -hmm. okay at least I can say that I tried, you know, I can always get another job. I'm, I'm a educated individual. Um, I, yeah. I was never feeling like, Oh, I'll never get another job. I I'm pretty confident that I can. So I was like, at least I can say that I tried. And if I fail, I fail. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, that, that cliche saying, you know, I don't even, I can't even think of the saying now because my mind went blank, but um, <laughs> you know, you can't fail unless you try. So I I was like, I'm going to try. And if I fail, I fail, but what if I succeed? So, um, Mm -hmm. I had to be equally terrifying sometimes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's another thing is I am also afraid of success (laughs) because Mm -hmm. not, not success in and of itself. It's just all the responsibility and growth that come with success. And it can be Mm -hmm. really scary and overwhelming because like I said, I'm still just one person right now. I, I, there are times where I don't, I, I don't really need the extra help, but there are also high times where I really could use the extra help. And so right now in my business, I'm at this weird point of needing help. I don't make enough to pay somebody to help me, but I, I'm, I, I am definitely in a weird spot at the moment in the business. Mm-hmm financially with that. Yeah, and I think everybody, yeah. <laughs> um, I think everyone hits that spot yeah, too. And it's like there, there's a certain things there's like, when do you quit your J job? And it's like, when do hire you someone. hire yeah. help? And it, it's like making those kind of risky moves, whether they're financial or just, you know, identity based, you know, like, who am I? Am yes. I and, you know, like, you know, am I a business owner? Am I crazy? Am I an employee? Like, you know, what, what, yes. is, um, all those things of that, like you go through when you have your own business. You also though have a few gowns I saw on your site that are like kind of your own collection yeah. that are made to order. Yes. Made to order. Um, Yes. Okay. So like I said, quit my job in March. And so I guess, yeah, it was for about a month. I, I had a couple clients, but I wasn't really that busy. I'm like, well, I need to make money. (laughs) I need to at least prove to Jordan Mm -hmm. that I can make money. Um, (laughs) so I decided to, I was like, well, you know, designing is really what I love. And, and long-term talk here is I, want to eventually start a bridal brand. It would not be JM Couturier, but, um, I really love designing. So I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I had fallen in love with this fabric actually that, um, a 
client of mine, she initially contacted me for a custom gown, didn't end up doing a custom gown. She bought her dress, but we made some changes to it. Um, but I had already gotten, you know, samples and stuff for her. And the samples that I got was the one with the butterflies on it. And that one's called Papillon on my website. And I just fell in love with that fabric and, you know, the colored lace, the colored bridal gowns are kind of trending at the moment. You know, um, Monique mm-hmm. Lulier is, is a, bra- a designer that I really admire. I love her aesthetic. And so I was like, well, you know, obviously some people are liking this. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to design a dress and I, I kept it simple and, but I wanted the fabric to really, you know, stand out. That was the main thing was the fabric. And so I decided, well, I'll do a micro collection. And I called it micro just because there's only two dresses and the laces come from the same uh, supplier. And so they kind of coordinate with each other. The um, There's like a laser cut. Um, sorry, I'm losing track of my mind again, uh, laser cut organza on there and it's printed. And so it, it, you know, flows together. So I was like, I'll just, I'll design two different dresses and put them up for sale on my website. Um, and I was hoping, so I, you know, we did a photo shoot. I got the model, I did everything. Um, but (laughs) unfortunately I have not sold any, so that's my only fail, but um, they're still for sale. There's, they're still there. The fabric's available. So they're still available if someone wants to order a dress and it would be not made to um, measurements. It would be just made to, you know, spec measurements. So, um, mm-hmm. but if, you know, the person uh, was here local to me and wanted to customize it here in person, then I, I would totally do that with them too. Um but yeah, I haven't gotten the, the hits that I wanted on those dresses, but also there are very few people still that know my name. <laughs> um, I'm still growing. <laughs> this is only my third year of being, yeah, third year? No, 2018. I started 2018. It was like fall. It was the end of 2018. So it was more like 2019. Okay. So like three and a half. Yeah. For you. Uh, yeah. And the first yeah. two years... <laughs> I guess they're business years because I was a business, but uh, it was hit and miss. And I don't know, part of me is like, I don't count that. (laughs) Um, But uh, (laughs) so, you know, my page is still growing. um, My name is still growing. And um, I have my first bridal show that I'm going to actually be a vendor in in St. Louis in March, uh, the Off-White Bridal Show, Off-White STL Bridal Show. A little more of an indie show. And so I think, uh, and I'm going to have those dresses there. So I think people seeing them in person and them knowing Mm -hmm. that I exist, you know, will help a lot. So I I'm really hopeful that someone will fall in love with uh, one or both of those dresses and, and hopefully they'll pick it for their, for their wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some pictures of them on Instagram, I think, and they're like, the fabric is stunning and like, they look really good, but they, I, I can see it's like, they are a little bit more because of the colors. Yeah. It's a little out there. I mean, look. So again, I have a knack for taking huge risks because <laughs> I picked, you know, <laughs> a really niche market for those dresses, you know, not uh, the majority of people, you know, want your, your traditional white or off white gown. So, you know, me being so new picking and designing dresses that were in this little niche, super risky, but like I said, they're not going anywhere. They're still for sale. And, um, as long as I can get the mm-hmm. fabric, uh, they'll, they'll be there. And, um, assuming that I had had the interest, I was going to limit, you know, how many I made. So I, I would only make and sell five of each of those designs. So only five dresses wow. of that design would exist. Cool. And I don't, I don't think, so another thing, um, just that made me think of with kind of the unique look of the dresses is you know even if they aren't like your breadwinners they may be kind of like the showstopper piece that like makes people stop by your booth at the show or like click through to your page because I mean they they are really like stunningly beautiful so even if somebody's like oh this is gorgeous I want to look at this designer Uh 
maybe they're like, I don't know if I can pull that off, but let's see what else she well, has. That's, you know? that's really and true. So it could be the thing that like stands out and kind of grabs people's attention, yeah. even if it isn't what they end up going with. You, you know, know, that's actually so true. I really didn't think about it from that angle, but uh, since you said that, I think with the custom and the gowns that I have done for people, um, it wasn't my intention, Mm -hmm. but I have kind of created this knack for the non-traditional. So like different colored gowns, like um, my sister modeled a gown. It was purely just for marketing purposes. I designed and made this black gown. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can see it on my social media. And um, I, even though I'm a traditionalist when it comes to weddings um (laughs) when it comes to designs and bridal gowns I really love the non-traditional the colored gowns the black gowns the um I don't know that or really ornate different uh embellishment and I'm a huge embellishment fan I personally Mm -hmm. love so the gowns that I did for the micro collection I kept them simple there's no embellishment on them except for um the buttons that I used on one, I used uh, pearls, but mm. anyway, what I really love to do is embellishment, uh, beading embellishment. So if anyone wanted a custom gown with all kinds of embellishment on them, I would be your girl. <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I have a knack for the non-traditional. So since you've said that, I I don't necessarily mind yeah, having um, the micro collection gowns be what grab someone's attention to see what else they can do. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's a good point. Good and kind of like window, window piece. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I uh, honestly hadn't even <laughs> thought about it that way, but thank you. Well, this has been so cool. Um, getting to hear a little bit more about your story and what you're it seems like you're you're very like you've mentioned several times like do being able to do what you love and going back to what you love after kind of being burnt out yeah. in fashion and it seems like the design is is really the the part that you love like being creative with that and and kind of taking risks and making something beautiful but unique for people yeah that you hit the nail on the head yes um There is something so special about, and you probably know this too, from working in the bridal industry, just seeing, you know, especially at the final fitting, whether it's alterations Mm -hmm. or a a custom made gown or whatever it might be, just seeing my client like face light up and sometimes it, it Mm -hmm. tears come, Yeah, they get emotional, they Mm -hmm. see, you know, the final look. Um, and I, you know, I encourage my clients to, you know, schedule their hair and makeup trials, you know, the day of their final fitting so they can kind of see the whole thing together. And they Mm -hmm. just get, it's just so emotional for me. Like I cry when they cry and, and are so Mm -hmm. happy. And and that's what makes it all worth it. But also it's just the process of being creative and and making something uh, I love too. So I, I just love everything about it. (laughs) Well, awesome. I'm so excited for you that you get to do the, do what you love and, and make it your, your main job yeah, here. I'm excited. Um, I have one more question <laughs> that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through in your case, the dresses that you design and work on, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I can communicate one value through the dresses that I make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what do you want the dresses to say mm. to people, either the people wearing it or the people seeing it? Gosh, uh, the word special just comes to mind. I know that's just a general word, but, um, I really want them to feel special when they're wearing it, um, and feel mm. beautiful. And I, I do want people to see this as an art. So to appreciate, um, the beauty of a garment, whether it's a dress or something else, but to have an appreciation for it. So to feel special wearing it and to appreciate the artistic value that it brings to them. It totally does. And I know brides like to feel that way, especially on their wedding days, like feel beautiful and feel special and in themselves and in what they're wearing. Yeah. That's so cool. 
Um, well, this has been so fun. Um, where can people find out more about Jam Couturier online? Well, they can uh, go to my website at any time, um, www.jmcouturier. Uh, let's see, now I have to spell that too. C-O-U-T-U-R-I-E-R-E.com. Um, and they can also check out my Facebook and um, Instagram. And it's both of those handles are just at JM Couturier. Wonderful. I'll include links to those in the show notes yeah. as well. Oh, also I should say, yes, if there's any um, uh, engaged couples that are attending or maybe they're considering going to the off-white STL bridal show, um, they can also meet me in person there and see the designs in person. Um, I'm going to have the two micro collection dresses there as well as some of my other custom um, bridal gowns that I've made in the past, uh, just to show what they look like in person. Um, and they can meet you there as well. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your story. And it was great to meet you. And yes, Allison, I had such a good time. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.